The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome once again to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. It's our third episode, and as we get into the third episode kickoff of the season openers right around the corner, we saw some scrimmage action over the weekend. There'll be more scrimmages this week, and then before you know it, we're going to be into a football week. This time next week, it'll be a football week with kickoffs coming the weekend of the 23rd, 24th, and 25th. More on that later. We have some news and notes for you. We'll talk about this week's poll, some new faces and new places, and we'll set you up for next week's poll as well. I want wanted to talk this episode about new coaches, first and foremost. There's only a couple of them in this area. I haven't been able to get out to see them, though, so hopefully we'll talk about some of that next week. The new coaches in the area are Russ Morris at Frontier. Of course, what's old is new again, and Rick Hott at Ritchie County. they got a good schedule, uh, but again, as we tape this on a Monday, I'm not going to be able to tape this any closer to Wednesday, and I'm not going to see them until tomorrow, so I have to tape this episode today so I can do other things tomorrow. So we'll tell you about what those new coaches had to say about their first seasons and the new places on next week's episode. First, let's take a look at the scrimmages this week. Heard some reports about a few things. St. Mary's hosted River and Fayetteville. Brennan Boron started a quarterback for St. Mary's, a sophomore left-hander. Rusted to duty when Eric Eiler didn't come out for football this year. He's concentrating on baseball, playing for a fall baseball team. I believe he's also running some cross-country this year, so he's going to stay busy and stay in shape. St. Mary's scrimmaged Fayetteville and River on Saturday. They'll welcome Frontier, I believe, on Friday. But the Blue Devils were a little bit shorthanded because Jack had and Jacob Hoyt were still playing in the American Legion tournament until Friday evening. They came back from that tournament Friday evening after they lost and were dressed in street clothes on Saturday. They did not play. Hoyt is expected to start at running back, and Hadley, I'm not really sure exactly where he fits in from what we've heard, and he's just a first-year player, so he's someone that doesn't have a lot of field experience. We'll see where he fits into the program. But either way, St. Mary's had numbers in the 30s. River, I've heard, is a very talented team, and I'll talk to Mike Flannery later today and see what he has to say about his pilots as we tape this again on a Monday, but the Pilots have just 18 players. They're a team that made a deep playoff run last year. The quality is there, the quantity just is not, and that really seems to be the theme for a lot of area teams this year. Tanner consolidated with just 24 bodies in their number, roughly in the mid-20s. Williamstown is in the low 30s, from what head coach Jerry Smith had to say, and they scrimmaged this weekend as well. They'll scrimmage Point Pleasant, and that'll be a good test for them. That scrimmage comes up the end of this week. So these area teams getting out and scrimmaging, seeing what they've got, and seeing how they stack up. Uh, numbers, again, for a lot of teams, and it seems like a lot more teams than usual are struggling to get the numbers that they are used to getting in past years. You look at River with just 18 players, and again, Tyler in the mid-20s, Williamstown in the low 30s, St. Mary's about the same. These are teams that just cannot weather any injuries. There's no doubt the quality is there with a lot of these teams, but just the injuries, if you get more than a few, you're done. It's going to be tough to play this season. The only schools that seem to have numbers up are Parkersburg Catholic, of course, that's Lance Bendiger's second year. They had trouble just fielding a team last year. They're up in the high teens, low 20s for doing some recruiting of the halls and cajoling some people to come out and play football. PHS, where the momentum is building in Mike Bias's second year, and Richie, where people are excited about Rick Hot's first year. The first two, Catholic and PHS, those are coaches in their second years, coaches that have had some time to get out and talk to people in their community and to convince people and to show people what they can do. You got Richie County, though, under Rick Hot, and that'll transition us nicely into our conversation about the coaches. 
Hot's got a schedule that I really like this year because they've moved St. Mary's down to the schedule. That's now a fourth week game and on a Thursday night. They start on the road against Tyler Consolidated and Parkersburg Catholic. They'll be competitive in those games before they host Frontier in the home opener and go to St. Mary's on a Thursday night and a game is going to be much, much, much more competitive than what they've seen in years past. But how do you like this? From September 21st on, the Rebels will have four of their last six games at home. They have Gilmer County on the schedule this year. That's not a team they've had. Calhoun County to finish. Wart County on the road in a game that will be pretty competitive. Their biggest challenge in the middle of that schedule is going to be Doddridge County, a team that's supposed to have a lot coming back this year. It's a mixed bag for Rick Hot schedule-wise, and that's that's a schedule that's got some wins that are out there if that team can look good. They've got a lot of border teams on the schedule. Uh, there are seven counties that touch Ritchie County, and the Rebels have games against seven schools from counties that touch Ritchie County. The only ones that do not are Frontier, Ravenswood, and Webster County, and two of those three aren't all that far in the first place. So Hot is a guy that's won there as a track coach. He's also coached basketball at Ritchie County High School. He's a well-known name and commodity in that community. He's coached middle school football. Uh, they like him there, and I think he's going to be a really good fit for that reason. I'll talk to him this week, and I'll tell you what he had to say about his new assignment coaching Ritchie County High School. Russ Morris is a familiar name. What's old is new again, as Morris back for a second stint as head coach of the Cougars. And that's a team that has a lot returning, a lot of good youth on that team, a lot of youth with a lot of depth because they had to play some young players in spots last year. They might not have wanted to, but now they're year experienced. They play West Virginia teams in four of their games. That's something I talked about on last week's schedule episode. They'll cross the river to play Ritchie County and Magnolia, and they'll stay home to host Cameron and Valley Wetzel. You got a Monroe Central team that's in the first year of a new head coach after a longtime head coach Jay Sarcosta stepped down. Who knows what River's going to bring with it in Week 10? Because again, that's a rivalry game as is Monroe Central, but River has just 18 players, so who knows how healthy the Pilots will be by the time that game comes around? Bellsville is early in the schedule, and that's a program that's been way down from where they had been 10, 15 years ago. Cameron is an interesting matchup because that's a pro program that has quality, but they don't always have quantity. Fort Fry and Caldwell in the middle of that schedule won't be easy. Same with Magnolia. So this is a, a frontier team that has the potential. They could go 5-5, five and 6-4. Five, and four. I don't think that's out of the realm for this Cougars squad. So we'll see what they have in store this year. We'll talk to Russ Morris of the Frontier Cougars this week. And uh, you'll want to watch that interview and the Rick Hot interview, as well as several others on our Facebook Live feed. That's on Light Rock 93R. Like us on Facebook and the interviews we posted there. It's always good stuff with those coaches. Good to get out and meet those coaches and talk to those guys about what their seasons are going to look like. Again, Light Rock 93R is the page to visit and uh, watch those Facebook videos as they pop up. I got a lot of appointments in the next couple days, so we'll wrap that series up by the middle of this week, hopefully, and have uh, interviews of 12 coaches from area schools and talk about their seasons. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Now it's time to take a look at this week's Facebook poll question. One of the more intriguing questions that I have dealt with in a number of areas. I've had this conversation with a few people. I want to say it was last year that my partner Donald Butcher and I talked about this topic on the way home from a game. I think it was Point Pleasant. My former broadcast partner, Donald's not working with me this year. I'm, I'm going to miss Donald already, but I'll be with Garrett Furr and Randy Ken solving over on V96.9. But the Facebook poll question this week, what is the primary function of a high school football program or any 
any high school sports program. The options were to win at the high school level or for players to get scholarships. Keep in mind, Facebook only allows you to have two options, so this is a multifaceted and nuanced issue, but I can only put two options. 82% of you said win at the high school level. 18% said players get scholarships. What makes this a difficult issue is because as we evolve and as we get closer and closer to an era where we're finding more opportunities, growing up it didn't seem like a lot of people in my area went to college to play sports. You had maybe one or two a year, but now it seems like the opportunities are out there. The Mountain East Conference and the development of the Mountain East Conference from the old Wiviac really did a great job, not just in football, but in all sports, of putting opportunities in front of West Virginia student-athletes that might not have existed before. Every once in a while, you'd see the one in a million, one in a decade, one in 50 years that would go to a big school, and you're starting to see more and more of that. PHS has Brenton Strange, for instance, this year that's going to go somewhere very big and very prominent to play out of the local area. But you've had that in past years. But again, a ton of opportunities at the D2 level and even D3 level if you want to go that route. On its face, the primary role of a high school extracurricular activity is to give people something to do to develop young minds and personalities and to help mold people through an activity. You learn how to play with others. You learn how to manage responsibility, manage your time, be accountable. There are a lot of great things you do through any extracurricular activity. I'm not just talking about sports. I think everybody ought to get involved in some extracurricular activity during your high school years. If playing a sport's not for you, and first off, there are a number of sports you could play. Maybe you're a good athlete, but you're not coordinated at a stick and ball sport. Hey, run track, run cross country. Get out and, and use your athleticism. There are a lot of people that it seemed like they play two or three sports and probably could play four or five if they could make it all work out because they're talented in, in multiple things. But if a sport's not for you, look at band, look at cheerleading, look at the dance team, look at something academic, whether it's a, a quiz bowl or a science Olympiad or math Olympiad or something like that that you're involved in or a debate team or drama. Get involved with something because, again, you learn those core values of participating with others, of being accountable to a coach or or some kind of a boss or a leader, and then to the other people that you're around. So that's something that you develop at the high school level that never goes away. You have to learn that. It's a life skill. You have to learn that and use that throughout your life. So do something if you're in high school. So on its face, that's what those programs are meant to do. However, of course, in high school sports, there are opportunities that come with that that don't always exist in other activities. For many people, those scholarships are a pathway to college that they wouldn't have otherwise. And if your coach is a good coach, they'll help you land that. And if they don't help you land that, or if they're not working with you to help you reach your potential and help you find that scholarship opportunity if it's out there, then they're not a good coach. If the opportunity is out there and they're not helping you, then they're not doing their job as a coach. Uh, That's part of life preparation is to get you on the right track and maybe help a family that might not otherwise be able to send a young man or woman to college to help that family get their kid there. That's what coaches are to do. So they've got that responsibility. But they also have the responsibility to the booster. They also have the responsibility to the Board of Education. Quite frankly, some areas are more cutthroat than others, but in many cases, a coach will lose his or her job if that program's not performing up to a certain level. And that's a difficult reality of high school sports is that often that plays into things, is that coach will or will not lose that job. So what you see is you see a lot of coaches that win the way they know how and not the way that might send players to college. And then this is really the crux of the conversation that Donald Butcher and I had a year or so ago. 
there are some programs that win with antiquated offenses that don't really highlight what the skill players can do and highlight their attributes. And then you'll see some coaches that have more modern college-like offenses that do highlight those players and their skill players, but they don't win because they do it but not consistently enough. It's like this. Would you rather play in a program that wins at all costs, no matter what system or how good or bad or ugly it has to look, or would you rather play in a system that can develop you for college, but maybe you go 4-6, and 5-5 five and, five and miss out in the playoffs because your team is rotten around you? The program is there to win at the high school level. That's why the program is there and to help you reach your potential as a person first and a player second if you're a high school athlete. My argument is always, if you're good, you're going to get noticed, regardless of what system you're in. Look at Brett Favre. He played for his father in high school and was not a guy that threw the ball around. They ran an option system in high school, and people still knew that Brett Favre could play quarterback. There are more camps that you can go to. There's more work in the summer that you can do and, and places you can go to get noticed if you're a good athlete, regardless of what system you're in. You don't need the 10 games per year for college coaches to be able to know whether or not you're good. Now, that is the best proving ground. That remains the best place to be seen if you're a high school athlete looking to become a college athlete. There's no question about that, but you don't need those 10 games. You are there playing for someone who runs a particular kind of system that they feel is going to get the best results, not just for you, but for the team around you and for themselves so that they can keep their job. But honestly, if you're playing a high school sport, you probably know at that point what kind of system the coach runs. You probably know how they organize things and how practices are laid out. And you know how the extracurricular goes. You've talked to people. There are enough people in the community that know. And if you don't like what they're selling, if you don't like the program, don't play. It's that simple. Do something else or go somewhere else. You see more and more people leaving schools in the communities where they were rooted to go somewhere else and play for a coach that they like better or a program that they think they'll be a better fit within. The rules are different in some areas as compared to others. It's not always an option to do that. It's real simple. I think each student athlete has to ask himself or herself, why am I playing this sport? Is it to have fun? Is it to be with my friends? Is it to get better? Is it to develop a skill? Is it to win games and championships at the high school level? Or is it to get a scholarship? Is it to attract a college? Is it to help pay for college? Is it to be part of something at a higher level? Is it just to see how far you can go in a sport? Whatever your answer is to that question will depend on whether or not you answer this in terms of winning at the high school level or getting scholarships. I think a coach owes every athlete that has a conceivable chance to get a scholarship. They owe it to that person and their family for all the time that that person and family is giving up to their program. They owe it to them to do their best to get them those scholarships. However, that is not the primary function of a high school sports program. A primary function is to win at that level and to make sure everyone stays safe, happy, healthy, and has fun. That's the primary function. The secondary function is to get players to college. You see this come up a lot in college, too. And the college version of this question is, what's the primary function of a college program? Is the primary function to develop players for the pros, or is it to win at the college level? And I've always thought that if a college program is doing a better job at developing players 
for the pros than they are at winning at that level, then that's a poor reflection on the coaching staff because that means that coaching staff has wasted some talent. I don't want to delve too deeply into this topic at the college level because this is a high school football podcast, but I get so sick and tired of hearing people tell me about how many pros WVU has developed. That's fine and good. Where's the Big 12 title? Where are the bowl appearances? Where, when's the last time West Virginia played in a big-time bowl game? I would rather see that than see eight guys drafted in the first two days of the, of the NFL draft. To me, I think if you've got that many players that are going pro, that are playing at the next level, and you're not winning championships or winning big games with those players, then that tells me you're wasting athletes. That tells me you're not doing a good job as a staff to win with what you got and what you, in many cases, brought in to win with. Bill Parcells used to say, if they're going to ask you to cook the dinner, they might as well let you buy some of the groceries. Talking about the players in the NFL, and I know college and high school football works differently, but especially in college, those are the guys that you brought there. So if you can't, if you do get to pick the groceries, per se, and you can't win with them, then I think you're wasting your time. I think you're, that's more of a poor reflection on you uh, than it is a good reflection on your program. That's the college version of that, though. The high school version is... Uh, you know, what's the primary function of that program? And honestly, the primary version is to win at the high school level for all reasons. For those that aren't eligible for scholarships, because that's who's paying them to run the activity, for one, not getting paid by parents, and to make sure that the activity goes off without a hitch. That's the job at a high school level. There are over 360,000 NCAA student athletes. And just about all of us will be going pro in something other than sports. That's my take on it. Uh, looking at some of the takes that we had, Craig Dutton, our really good friend, says, Really good question. I feel if you get the winning program first and the focus can be on getting the proper attention for your student-athletes, that's a great point. Having the program wins make it easier to showcase your athletes to colleges. Right, because if you're playing in November and maybe even December on Wheeling Island in West Virginia, you're going to have a bigger audience and a wider audience. Those games are televised. Those games reach more people. More people attend those games. There are fewer people for colleges to go and see on Friday nights and Saturday nights. So, again, that's a great point, Craig. Brian Crosman writes, I've learned directly that college coaches don't care about stats or all-state teams. They want to see either in person or on film what you can do and know what kind of player and person you are. A coach's recommendation based on commitment and work ethic mean more than a few extra yards or points. Helping your team win will impress colleges more. Good question, though. Too many parents get caught up in the stats or postseason awards. I could not agree with that more. So many parents think that their athlete is going to be the next this, the next that, and they try to give them every edge that they can. There's nothing wrong with that, but I don't think parents are often honest enough with themselves about why they're doing that for their kid, or to be honest, whether or not their kid actually has a chance to land a big scholarship or a scholarship that's going to be impactful. And just about all of us will be going pro in something other than sports. And I agree. Coaches don't care so much about what accolades you honor. They want to know what kind of person you are. They want to know if you're going to be a team player, a good character. Do you have good morals? Are you going to be somebody that they can rely on and depend on as part of their program? And it's the extra things. It's how much extra practice time you put in, how committed you are to your program. The extra things you do beyond just showing up. Do you work hard? Do you volunteer? Do you give back to your community? Are you someone that could be relied on to do those kinds of things and to be the face of a program and to be a leader in your program? The way you carry yourself is a much bigger factor in determining what kind of scholarship or what kind of offers you get from colleges as compared to those statistics. But like I said, it just goes back to this fact. If you're good, you're going to get noticed. Someone is going to notice what you're doing. If they don't, they get their head in the sand. There's never been an easier time to get noticed between Huddle and YouTube and ways to share clips. And it used to be, if you were good, you'd have to 
put your highlights on a VHS tape and copy those a bunch of times and send those to people who may or may not watch them. Now it's a click away. All I've got to do to watch someone's huddle film is to click on it, and there it is. And it's the same way in every sport. There are those kinds of films in every sport. So if you're good, you're going to get noticed. So that's this week's poll question. Next week's poll is an interesting one as we are in our first football week of the year. By the time next week's show drops, there will be games right around the corner. Next week's poll, what unit do you most expect to see prepared in week one and why? Do you expect more out of offenses or do you expect more out of defenses? Again, that poll will be posted later this week. And again, we'll have that for next week's show. What unit do you most expect to see prepared in week one and why? Offense or defense? Let us know. The page on Facebook is the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Podcast. And again, if we like your responses, we'll read those on the show. Also next week, since we have two Thursday night games prior to our season premiere of Countdown to Kickoff, we'll break down Wheeling Central Williamstown and Parkersburg and Morgantown. Those are Thursday, August 23rd. Central Williamstown is in Williamstown at 7 o'clock, while PHS travels to Morgantown in a game that will be aired on Metro News and on AT&T Sportsnet. The Pirates are now playing that night, so that will be a high school football night in the area with Parkersburg High School and Morgantown meeting on the WVSSAC kick off game in anticipation of those games. Uh, we'll be joined by Kerry Patrick of DepthChartWC.com, and he'll break down those games with us here. We'll talk about those here on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast next week. want to remind you, too, the season premiere of Countdown to Kickoff is Friday, August 24th, ahead of our games on Seven Rangers Radio. V96.9, Light Rock 93R, and WXCR all have games. Countdown airs at 6 p.m. ahead of all those games. And don't forget those Facebook Live videos we mentioned earlier. Uh, those are airing on Light Rock 93R's Facebook page. You can see interviews with all the coaches from your favorite schools around the area. Download us on iTunes, rate us, and review us. And, of course, we're also on SoundCloud as well. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, drop us a note if you wish. The Facebook page is the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. It is not much easier to find, and chances are pretty good if you are listening to this, you've probably found the Facebook page already and like us through there. But, again, send us a message, rate us, and review us on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. Thank you for listening today to our third episode of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Again, actual game action to preview next week. Until then, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Eric Little. We'll talk to you next week, and have a good rest of your week, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.